If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, then you know we are passionate about stories of God meeting ordinary women everywhere they are. The experience of God's mercy, His profound help, and His unexpected grace are not confined to the four walls of a church. Maybe you have felt God's presence most in one of various life stages. While you're single, as a mom to newborns or high schoolers, trying to balance work and home, and becoming a caretaker for your own parents. Perhaps you've come to know him deeper when your plans were interrupted by cancer or divorce or infertility or depression, or even the death of a friend or family member. Definitely, you've experienced his goodness in life celebrations, birth, marriage, fulfilling work, meaningful friendships. Today, let's savor these stories of women encountering God in all life stages and circumstances. Welcome to Everywhere You Are. What does worship mean to you? How do you prepare to worship? Do you worship regularly? Does your participation in worship help others? In this episode, we examine the spiritual discipline of worship. Our guests, Brittany Mathis and Kim Settle, share what individual and corporate worship look like in their lives. They also reflect on some favorite worship songs, and we examine the beauty of worship as encouragement for others. Hello, listeners. I'm Rachel Langston here with Sarah Morland. We're your hosts today. And our guests today are Kim Settle and Brittany Mathis. And we're talking about worship and the spiritual discipline of worship. And we love to start off our conversations with just a broad question. So I'd like to start with Brittany. Where are you today? Hi. Uh, thank you for having me. I've really been looking forward to this. And I think you guys are doing a great job with the podcast. <laughs> As many podcasts as I'll listen to, uh, this is my first time recording one, so it's a whole different side of things, but thank you for letting me be a part of it. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Brittany Mathis, and I am what they call a lifer at Dawson. I uh, grew up here. My parents started coming here before I was even born, and so I grew up in the children's ministry and youth ministry and relevant to this topic, the music and worship ministry from a young age. I met my now former husband here at Dawson. I'm now divorced, so I have been on a journey of healing from the grief of what we lost, the trauma of um, discovery, and years of struggle leading up to that. Separate from that, (laughs) I'm a working professional. I'm an accountant. I'm the controller at Spire which means that I lead a team of accountants and we're responsible together for making sure that our financial information is presented correctly, whether it comes out of uh, any department um, at the company, we gather all that info and uh, present it accurately, we hope. (laughs) (laughs) Hobbies-wise, I am uh, very into the Enneagram. I uh, have been (laughs) uh, studying and learning in that work for more than four years now, and it has been probably the best 
growth I have done in my life is submitting to God through that work. I geek out on it regularly. <laughs> so will you share what number you are? Yes, I'm a five on the Instagram. <gasps> oh, I'm a five. I wondered, Rachel. Oh, nice. Or, yes. Oh, nice. Shared, um, have you done it? I have, but I'm an old lady. I don't remember what my number is. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. fantastic. Yeah. There's probably a number for that. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> have you done it? I have. What are you? I'm a four. Okay. All right. I like it. Another hobby I would say, and I've come to own more recently, is I just truly love singing. I've always thought of it as just kind of like a side part of my life, but in the last year, I've just realized what joy it brings me, and it's very close to this topic of worship today, but I've come to see it as a gift that that God gave me, yes, for use in the church or for others, but just that it brings me so much joy, yes. whether it's singing in my car or at my house or obviously as part of the worship team, so that's where I am. Well said, sister. Well said. Kim, where are you today? Well, I have been at Dawson for eight years now. My husband and I joined at about the same time that our oldest granddaughter was born, so I always know exactly how long we've been here based on her birthdays, and she never lets us forget that. Um, I retired after teaching for about 25 years in lots of different schools, public and private, in three states, and really thought a couple of years ago that I was going to move to a new school but instead the Lord said, no, I have something else for you and ended up being here. So I uh, retired from teaching and uh, then I became music and worship ministry assistant, which I dearly love, it's great. We've been married for 37 years, college sweethearts, um, lab partners. So Aww. yeah, if you ever need help in so physics. So there was a reason yeah. to go to lab. <laughs> uh, yeah, I needed all the help in lab I could get and it worked out really well. Yeah. We have three adult children and one of them has just moved back home with us to get a second degree. We have two biological children and they're 35 and 33 and we adopted care from China when she was 10. She is back home with us after a while, which we love, and is going back to school. So we went from empty nesters for a long time to having one back home and we love it. It's actually great, so (laughs) who knew? What did you teach? I taught every grade, kindergarten through 12th, except second. Wow. So I taught public school, private school, middle school math, uh, high school physical science, and came up with a um, single living class is what we call it, so that the guys would join it. It was really home ec for the 21st century. <laughs> I taught single elementary, living. single living, yeah. You need to know how to cook a little bit. You need to know how to do laundry. You need to know how to write a check. and Change and a light bulb. an interesting yeah. title yeah. We, for that We did class. taxes and Almost like a things. life skills wow. class. Yes, exactly. Wish. That's what. Uh, listen, yeah. I wish everybody had to take one. Uh, we have um, five granddaughters. And um, they're in Georgia and Tennessee, so th- those are my hobbies. I spend my time with them and quilting for them and just being Kate. Is grandparenting as fabulous as they say it is? It is. And one of the things that's most fabulous is watching your children parent. Oh, yeah. And I seeing them in that role. That's fantastic. So that's where I am. Okay. So when you hear the term spiritual disciplines, what comes to mind? 
for me, it brings thoughts of Richard Foster and the book Celebration of Disciplines. I imagine you may be hearing that across these episodes. Every one of these conversations. <laughs> yeah. we have, yes. I have not but read it, that book. Yeah. Well, I read it when I was in high school. It's not a new book. No. No. It's not. Uh-huh. Uh, no. It wasn't new probably when I read mm-hmm. it in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when I read it then, Spiritual Disciplines felt to me like something you needed to muscle through like you were preparing for a race or a bodybuilding competition it was work yeah Yeah, that it was all determination and um, gritting your teeth to take up your cross and that's how I read that book then not really how it's written Um, because now as a think about spiritual disciplines I see it more like any other daily practice that I do whether it's exercise or eating or brushing my teeth that it is slowly shaping me that it's God's work in me and that the the discipline is not like gritting your teeth and making fists (laughs) to, to power through but more an opening to God a choice to show up every day in whatever discipline it is that it is God doing the work of transformation in me and all I'm doing is just showing up Mm -hmm. um, as as faithful I often think of prayer and Bible study and fasting as like the big ones you know we need to be in the word we need to be praying we need to be fasting on occasion and I think those are the ones that come to my mind when somebody says spiritual disciplines but it really is a lot more than that. It's, it's everyday living. It's remembering, Lord, I need to ask you for help when I go have this conversation. Or, Father, I really need you to provide a way for me to love on this person right now. And those kinds of moment by moment praying without ceasing instead of the Lord's Prayer, you know, or memorizing a book of the Bible. It's really getting in and studying and praying over what I'm doing. And I think worship is a great spiritual discipline. It's the way, for me, all of the others are embodied because worship is my passion. So let's talk about that because y'all are specifically chosen to, to look at the discipline of worship. So what what is that? How do you define that? For me, worship is typically singing more than anything else. It's also praying. It's also giving. It's also submitting my heart. But because I love music so much, when I am singing to God and about God, that's when I am closest to Him. That's what engages my emotion like nothing else. Mm -hmm. And for me, true worship, regardless of the act, is putting your emotion with your actions and connecting to God just the very best that you can. Yeah. You went straight to music, which we often do, and we're both musical people, (laughs) so that that is kind of what comes to mind with worship. But as I was thinking about what difference between corporate worship exactly um, what we do as a congregation when we gather on Sundays or Wednesdays or when we're all together that's corporate worship and there's a a structure to that you know what what makes that worship is all the things that Kim mentioned maybe singing scripture prayer it's not worship if you if you don't have those elements in a corporate sense but for me individually I think I am most worshipful of God when I just recognize the joy he brings me in a day or a moment. I love to work puzzles and in fact I think a lot of my career is 
putting puzzle pieces <laughs> together. It's, it's, people always think accountants are good at math, but it's not math. It's it's puzzles. And maybe because of that, I most appreciate about God when He is working puzzles mm. out in our life and weaving together a tapestry and the gratitude and awe I have as I think about God's ability to do that in our lives individually and the world is worship to me that is not singing or prayer or any of those things but it is standing in amazement of a God that I'll never fully comprehend and that's what worship is in whatever form he uses in you is when you are closest to him and when you can feel his presence the most I think and we know he's omnipresent he is always with us But when I am in my car singing a worship song with tears pouring down my face, Mm -hmm. I am closer to him then than I am in a corporate worship, perhaps, or writing my tithe check or whatever the other act is when I'm just my gut-level honesty Mm -hmm. is coming out and I can just say, oh, thank you, Lord, or forgive me, Lord. You know, when we've looked at some of the other disciplines, there's almost like a either a daily practice or a weekly or whatever. I mean, are there parts of, of worship that you practice individually? So what I would say for me in, in that kind of broad way that I'm defining worship, the practice uh, of worship is more internal in, in my heart than an action I'm doing regularly. So it could be while I'm reading God's Word or a book or while I'm singing or while I'm just taking in with gratitude a beautiful day or my niece and nephew cracking me up or or something. If in one of those moments that could just be ordinary magic, I stop and recognize that God is weaving all of that together and giving it as a gift to me. That's what turns it from just... It's a heart thing. Yeah. It's more Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I'm realizing Absolutely. I have this discipline. I wouldn't have called it a discipline of worship because on Instagram, I do this and I, I've titled it Delight. And it's just like, I love to take pictures with my phone of like, you know, maybe a camellia up close or different things that really strike me. And I put the scripture, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. And it's like this idea of anything that's good and beautiful. It makes me want to worship God in that moment. And it'll be like last week, it was taking my brisket that I had put in the oven for five hours. (laughs) I took it out and I took the lid off and the light was coming in the window and it just like the steam and the light i mean i'm really sounding like an enneagram four now but i had to take a picture of it and it but it felt worshipful to me because mm-hmm. yeah. you know that's a good gift to have food on your table and for it to smell good and the act of cooking can even be an act of worship yeah. i think but i feel like i'm relating to what you're saying yes. right now that any moment can be just a moment or it can be a worshipful moment. Mm-hmm. So there are some acts of worship, but then there's the attitude of worship the as well. Heart That's exactly of worship. right. Yeah. Yes. And almost disciplining your heart to be worshipful. Yes. Yes. As you go about your day. Mm-hmm. Because you can make a choice. If you are not prepared personally, if you haven't worshipped the Lord personally, then 
I feel like you really have no right to try to lead somebody else to worship. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to worship all day, every day, and we need to have that personal worship, even in times. And I think this is where the discipline comes in, mm-hmm. even in times where we don't feel like worshiping. Right. Mm-hmm. When we just cry out, God, I need your help. Right. I mm-hmm. desperately need your help. But if we don't worship personally, then it's really hard to worship corporately. Mm. And I don't think you can necessarily do one without the other. And I think the the discipline of preparing for that as a worship leader is really important. Mm-hmm. I think you're right, Kim. And the the discipline of it may maybe comes when you're governing your heart to say the things you know or believe deep down mm. are true even when you don't feel yeah, them yeah. you know we at uh, different times in my life I have associated worship with like a, a euphoric feeling right and now I associate it more with like a roots down deep bone truth even when I'm not feeling it. Like, oh, absolutely. Some of the psalms that I can worship the most when reading or humming or making up a tune to are the ones where David is lamenting mm-hmm. or he's <laughs> sorrowful or he's scared out of his wits. And those are those are worship. When you take that to God and acknowledge, you're the only one that can do this. You're the only one that can handle this. I bring this to you because... I don't know what to do with it. Right. I think that's real worship. So lament can be part of worship. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. So how do you turn those moments of lament? Is that a conscious choice? You know, I'm in the middle of a really difficult situation. I'm not feeling it, but I'm choosing worship. Is that a, a conscious recognition in the moment? Uh, for me, in some of my hardest times, it's been an acknowledgement that, like, I may not feel this, but but feelings are something that wash over us as humans. And I'm choosing instead to align with something I know deep in in my soul to be true, even if it doesn't feel true in the moment. And and so, for example, we sing, even in the valley you're faithful, you're working for our good. God works all these things for the good of those who love him. And there have been times that I've been in the valley feeling like, how on earth is this for my good or mm-hmm. anyone's good? Right. And choosing to still believe that's true, it, it, even when it doesn't feel that way. And and sometimes in corporate worship, uh, we have the benefit of you know, my voice breaking because I can't bring myself even to say those words out loud because it's, it's hurt deep inside and the body of Christ around me saying them instead yeah. and th- there's such a gift in sort of borrowing someone else's faith in those moments oh, I love that. that's yeah. a great way to put I it I love that I don't yeah. think worship, always, yes. I don't think we always label things as worship when we really are worshiping so when I am mm. in that moment or I am pouring out my heart through a song I don't necessarily think of that as worship. I just think of it as, this is my God and I have to go to Him. Yes. But if we're talking about 
doing that as a discipline and worship as a discipline. It really but is. But is the going to him in those moments, is that the worship? I think that's that, certainly yeah, part of the only way I <laughs> Part of going to God, I think, yeah. is recognizing his sovereignty and that he's the only one who can help you in this situation. Mm-hmm. He's the only one in the valley that can actually. So even that act is act of going to him I think is an act of worship showing up to pray and you know we're talking about the psalms which we think about as you know a book of worship and of songs and before I went through trials in my life I would read the psalms and it would frustrate me to no end because Uh I'm like David is all over the place (laughs) (laughs) you go from one to the next but aren't we all (laughs) well I couldn't relate to it yet because I hadn't been through sorrow and grief yet and then when I went through that it was the I got upset that was my what ministered to me the most was the psalms and saying them aloud to the Lord and finally understanding I mean it's like encompasses all of our humanity and our emotions in that book of the Bible and the other spiritual disciplines as well the praying the Bible study uh, the giving all of those I think when you give your time to the Lord and you cry out to Him, whether it's with joy or sorrow or frustration or desperation, I think that's all worship. Just sitting here thinking about that, you know, the times when you go to the Lord and say, I don't even, I know why I'm here, but I don't know what to say. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or I don't know what to do. Well, when you feel that way, have you ever had the experience of old hymns coming to you where Sometimes, you yeah. don't have really the words to say and then you're just like praying? I had a good friend who found herself in the ER facing a pretty devastating diagnosis and she had to stay in through the night and she just went through the hymn book mm-hmm. and just sang it to herself, just saying all the hymns she knew. and. I just think about growing up in a, in the church and what a spiritual gift it is to know those hymns or spiritual yeah, songs, true. whatever, because they can come to you when, when you're without words. And I think Psalms does that as well. I yeah. mean, because you, strangely enough, the older I get, the more I'm like, well, I don't know which Psalm it is, but I'm sure it's in there somewhere. Yes. Because they are all over the place. Right. They are, you know, every emotion, every situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons that, that we love the psalms and the songs, the current songs and the hymns and the, the praise and worship music, research has shown that when you put thoughts and, and words to music, it connects both sides of the brain, both, both hemispheres. I mean, we all learn the ABCs through the ABC song. Mm-hmm. So those truths that we sing, those hymns or those, those great songs that we grew up on, stick because we're connecting both hemispheres of our brain and I think looking back through the Psalms and humming those to ourselves is another way just to hide his word in our hearts mm-hmm. which is an act of worship as well yeah and the uh, kind of music ministry sphere here at Dawson we will hear people talk about the soundtrack of our lives that could be the hymns that you're talking about that you have known your whole life or new songs that you're learning um, and for those of us who are singing in the choir, you know, choir anthems. One came to my mind just now as, as we were talking because we, we do get focused on, on those songs and their meaning and power, and I think that's helpful. But I've also had seasons of my life where 
I could, couldn't come come up with a word up for mm-hmm. myself. And mm-hmm. yeah. the song that meant a lot to me then is an anthem that we've sung called the Pilgrim's Hymn, Stephen Paulus. And the word, even before we call on your name to ask you, O God, when we seek for the words to glorify you, you hear our prayer. It's just the turning of our hearts to God that that he's hearing even when we we're seeking for the words when we can't even find them Mm -hmm. it's the turning of our hearts to god that is is worship and uh, god is is hearing that and accepting it as worship well he even told paul when you go out don't worry about what you're going to say because i'm going to tell you i'm going to give you those words yeah and i think sometimes when you are in a moment of extreme joy or extreme sadness when you don't know what to say and you are just crying those sobs those are worship to the lord as well yeah the tears are worship mm-hmm. absolutely In sometimes when we're singing an old hymn a really old one i will find myself just weeping mm-hmm. and i'm thinking why in the world this is not a sad song why am i weeping <laughs> right now I, I, it will dawn on me i used to sing this at my grandmother's church when I was going to church mm. with her. It's like a it was a very moment. traditional song, and we would sing that, and I was next to her, and it would bring back memories of her and and the worship together, and it's it's powerful. Yeah, it's so powerful. Yeah. We when we were married, uh, we chose "Greatest Thy Faithfulness" mm-hmm. to be our like wedding hymn, and we it was congregational singing, and of course the words to that hymn are so powerful. You know, morning by morning, new mercies I see, and God has used that hymn to minister to us mm-hmm. and unbelievable ways um before the sunday before louisa was born it was um sung um my daughter louisa has a rare neurological disease Mm. called rett syndrome and then the sunday after she was diagnosed it was in the morning worship Mm. and talking about like corporate worship and how you kind of borrow from the faith of the people around you we couldn't sing my husband Mm -hmm. and i couldn't sing we just stood and wept you know because it was our wedding hymn and God was using it, you know? Um, what truths. Mm-hmm. And yeah. to have others praying that, interceding for you on, on your behalf in yes. the midst of that. And like singing words when you don't feel them in your heart, mm-hmm. you know, like when you can't really see, but you're still going to proclaim it, you know? And it has always, that hymn has always been that for us. So do y'all have favorite hymns or hymns that you go back to that? Too many to go. <laughs> I mean, the one that comes to my mind just this minute is A Mighty Fortress, which mm-hmm. is just about as old as they come. It that is. is. I don't know why that one comes, but an un- unusual kind of part of my story, even as it relates to worship, is that I was a dancer for many years growing up, all through high school, and uh, even danced in worship at Dawson as I was in the student ministry for candlelight and different things like that. But I had the experience of, of worshiping through dance to a whole host of songs that just adds a kind of a whole nother layer. If we're talking about both sides of your brain yeah. with words and music, then you add body. Yep. And I have deep memories of any song, but him included, that I danced to. And, and that was one. So I, the way the words kind of weave together with the movements I kind of recall and now this is 25 years ago <laughs> that is the one that comes to my mind and I can even almost 
you know, have the body remember memory. The I was going to ask yeah. if you can remember the moves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I was a kid, I went to a Pentecostal church. It was one that I could walk to, and um, I had some relatives that attended there. And the singing there was like none other. So when the role is called a piano, it's one that I sing all of the time. And Mm -hmm. I love that. But at the cross is one that Mm -hmm. I always think of my grandmother sitting next to her. We sang it at a revival one night Mm -hmm. at her church. And I probably was in fifth or sixth grade and was staying with her for a week and went to revival every night. And she was one of the few believers in my family. And so the Lord brought me to him at a really young age. So she and I had a really incredible bond and singing that song next to her every time we mm. sing at the cross i can picture what she had on yeah the night of the revival where we sang that so wow. i love that one because i think some people might say well i'm not a musical person or i'm not i don't have those gifts so i must not be able to practice worship in that way and yet that's really not the heart of worship that goes back to what Brittany was saying at the beginning, you know. It's about a heart of looking for things that point you to the Lord. Everyday beauties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's a heart heart posture, yeah. I guess. We'll talk a little bit about the responsibility of leadership in terms of leading others to worship. How does that affect your personal worship, I guess, maybe is a better question. I think for me, one of the things is whatever we are working on to help others to lead others in whatever music we are working on. I sing that throughout the week. We, we have rehearsal on Wednesday night. And so Thursday, the, the soundtrack of my mind is whatever we worked on What's on gonna Wednesday be on night. One, on Sunday. And then we're gonna sing it on Sunday and then we're gonna start getting ready. So it's, it's just constantly playing those words and those phrases and those melodies as well. It just reverberates because it's, it's truth. It's, it's almost as if you're in a study on Wednesday night where you're saying, okay, these are the words of Scripture, and this is the way we're going to look at them this week. We're going to look at them in the terms of a new worship song, or we're going to look at it in terms of an anthem or a really old hymn that we're going to sing. I think the discipline of doing that throughout the week myself helps me to lead better on Sunday morning. And I can get up there and sing on Sunday if I have not had my personal No matter what, yeah. But it's not the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I think of the responsibility of leading worship, there's obviously the moment of worship when we're all in the sanctuary or chapel together, but it has taken weeks to get there. And Kim is very close to this process working in the music office, but to... Uh, think about the groups of people who have come together for worship planning months ahead of that moment when I'm standing on the platform with a microphone in my hand, thinking about the songs that we'll sing, thinking about the way that the prayers and scripture and songs will all fit together. It's amazing to me to, to think about all that goes into that planning to make sure that we're getting I think this is a a John Woods metaphor, but a balanced diet, that we're not always only singing joyful songs, that we're not Mm -hmm. always on the opposite end of the spectrum, only praying lament, (laughs) but that we're we're getting a, a balanced take of what we need throughout our spiritual life, because any one of us in the room in that moment might need a different thing. 
and in the same way um, choosing music you know you, you guys both named hymns that are low on my list of songs <laughs> that would have carry emotional value any one of us has different songs that will mm-hmm. kind of have oh, yeah. that emotional hook to them and the next time we sing those, even though I might internally feel a little bit of an eye roll, I'll think of y'all. Right. And right. because I love you, sing them with just a little bit right. more That's right. oomph. And that that's true. Anytime a song isn't really just doing it for me, if whether I'm leading or singing in the congregation, I just remember the, the whole idea of corporate worship is that it is not about me. And what I enjoy in that moment, it's about the honor of singing Kim's song that will mean That's something right. to her, or mm. Greatest Faithfulness, which will mean something to you. Right. And and doing that even when it's not like my favorite. <laughs> You're ministering. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and we I'm, all are. Not, yeah. not just me on yeah. the platform, or any of us on the the platformer in the choir but, but it is a gift you're giving as you're leading you're ministering to the people in the congregation but if you are up there leading and you watch people in the congregation who are obviously worshiping in in whatever form whether it's through raising their hands or bowing their knees or just sobbing you see that music impact them, mm-hmm. and they lead me in worship in that moment. Mm. Yeah, y'all do get a, mm-hmm. a, a very different perspective oh, than yeah. most people do. But even I love what Sarah was saying about greatest that faithfulness because it wasn't. It's not like a category of here's my happy songs, here's my sad songs, here's but it's no, that same true. song that has yeah. has ministered and has it's led true. them to worship in very different circumstances because so yes. it was a joyous song on our wedding day right for sure right um yes. and and that again is the heart of worship is that in any any set of circumstances or situations so and even it not when we sing great is thy faithfulness but just knowing hearing that story will i think make me sing songs differently thinking that there's somebody here who can't sing this today oh, absolutely yes. you know that yes. that can't can't feel it or can't believe it right now so I have a responsibility to, to worship in their stead. You can lean on them when you can't do it. Right, mm-hmm. right, absolutely. The song that the choir sometimes sings is an anthem called Orphans of God. Oh, and it yes. talks about there are no orphans. Well, we adopted an orphan, and I usually cannot get through that song. Mm-hmm. But all of my friends around me are singing it, and that's, yeah. that's powerful. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite verses that I really don't know uh, the reference to. I think it's in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, I'm not sure. But it talks about the Lord will sing over me. Mm. Mm. I just love that. And then the psalm that I go to when I have one of those moments where I need to fall on my face and confess is Psalm 51. I can read through that and get something new and different every time and think David was a man of God who screwed up royally. I mean, he really fell but he was still called a man of God. And I think it's because of the way he repented. He genuinely repented. And when I don't even feel like I want to, I'm still holding whatever that is. If I go to Psalm 51, then I can use his words to help me get there where I'm ready to say those words myself. Uh, On the subject of a song or a psalm, not just being like a happy time or as, you know, 
they, they, they're not just in one category or another. Um, psalm 90 was the uh, hymn and psalm that we had read at our wedding. Mm-hmm. And um, the verse that says, teach us to number our days so that we may have a heart of wisdom felt so different at that time in my life than it does now and I think that is kind of becoming a touchstone in my life that idea of numbering our days maybe it's the accountant in me (laughs) but we are counting our days not by what we're able to accomplish or do or check off our list although I do all of those things but by the wisdom we're able to uh, acquire but I think submitting ourselves to God. So that's good. That's good. I like that. I never thought of God as an accountant, but it does say like he all the days are of ours are written in the you <laughs> in know his book. <laughs> so he numbers everyone's days. Well, that's a very he, large. He book. knows the number of hairs, hairs on your head. head. Oh, they oh. those change daily. Yes, so, yes. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Oh. Minute by minute, really. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Psalm 717 says, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to His righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. Scripture also tells us that the rocks themselves will cry out if we keep our voices silent about God. We pray that something you have heard today has helped you consider worship as an everyday activity instead of a weekly production. Everywhere you are today, look around and pause to worship Almighty God. He's due thanks because of His righteousness, and He is the Lord Most High.